Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, and I've used my Move the Ball system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you're here with us today. This podcast, as you all know, is about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Now, if you have listened to the show before, you know that I say this pretty much at the beginning of every episode. I'm going to say it here too. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice so that you never miss an episode. There's been so many great guests on the show before, have amazing upcoming guests, have a fantastic guest today. So by subscribing, you'll make sure that you stay in the know. And to those who have reached out to me about the show over the past couple of weeks, just want to say thank you again so much. Truly appreciate all of you and taking the time to share your thoughts and your feedback. All right. So today I've got, as I mentioned, a fantastic guest with us, someone who has a wealth of knowledge, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Inside the huddle with us today, and ready to share his thoughts, his insights, and his wisdom, and also to help us to move the ball, is Marvin Jones. Marvin is a retired professional football player who played middle linebacker in the NFL for 11 seasons. Marvin played college football at Florida State University, and he was drafted in the first round of the 1993 draft as the fourth overall pick by the New York Jets, where he played for his entire career. Beyond the NFL, Marvin has served in a number of coaching capacities, including being the head coach for the Cedar Rapids Titans of the Indoor Football League, and he is currently the head coach of the Omaha Beef of the Champions Indoor Football League, and we will talk about that in the show as they recently won a championship, and we've got so many great topics to talk about. So without further ado, Marvin, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, thanks for having me on. Well, I'm so glad to have you here with us today. I know we've been talking about getting you on the show for a while, so I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And where I want to kick things off is talking about how football just connects to life, and there's so many lessons that it can teach us to be successful. As you know, in my book, Move the Ball, I talk about a lot of lessons that I find to be helpful in being successful, both on and off the field. And I want to ask you, What are some of the things that you have learned as someone who's been around the sport as an athlete and as a coach, what are things that the sport has taken or has taught you to be successful on the field as well as off? Well, one of the number one things about sports is just being accountable to your teammates. The number one thing is everything, especially on a professional level, you have to be to practice on time. You have to be to meetings on time. So it it teaches you discipline in those areas. And those are obviously important traits. And when you go into any type of, corporate world where you have to have be on time, you have to, um, you know, be accountable. You have to be a person of character and respected amongst the gods. But, you know, overall, the, the teammate thing is what I've always really taken away from the sport because that definitely has taught me how to interact with other people because, you know, we're all different, different backgrounds, different mindsets, different philosophies. But we all have to come together and as one goal, you know, to accomplish the past or our mission. 
And was it the team aspect that made you really fall in love with the game or was there something else about football? Well, growing up, <laughs> I was introduced to football at an early age. So even that, even when I was in elementary school, I wanted to play in the NFL. I had a cousin, you know, growing up, my cousin played many years with the Oakland Raiders at the time. I had a brother that played football. He also played at Florida State, spent the year on the Kansas City Chiefs during their uh, strike year. So it, it's been in my blood, and athletics always been in my family. So it's something I wanted to do as a little kid, and, and by golly, I got an opportunity to accomplish that. That's awesome. And as you know, part of being a successful competitive athlete is always looking at improving that self-improvement each and every day outworking the day before. Was there somebody, was it your brother? Was there somebody else that really pushed you to be a better athlete each and every day? Oh, definitely my brother. I mean, he was the perfect brother. (laughs) You know, he's a very disciplined guy. I mean, he's done so many things, you know, right in his life. I mean, he's definitely a person that you can model your life after, but he just instilled to me, you know, that no quit attitude, you know, something that I had to have at a very young age. <laughs> you know, I went through a lot of things as a kid, you know, family-wise and stuff, losing the mother, sister, and the grandfather within three months when I was 11 years old. So, you know, my brothers and sisters all had to rally around me. But my brother, my older brother, Fred, he, he was in sports too. And at that time, he was already at Florida State. I mean, every time he would come home during the summer, <laughs> we'd go out to the field. I would run with him. We would actually put big gear on and, and hit each other. <laughs> got, I got it at a young age that the instilled toughness, mental toughness is, you know, is, is, is the biggest aspect that you have to have. And that's anything, life and, and definitely in football. Absolutely. Yes. Mental toughness is something that I write about in the book. It's so important, whether you're playing football or any other sport or just navigating through life, we all face adversity. We all face obstacles and different things that we don't expect. And it's that mental toughness that really helps us to overcome those things. Yep, absolutely. So let's talk about you playing at Florida State. So you were there from the 1990 to 1992 seasons. What was it like? Your first, you had a great freshman year there. Talk to us about that first year playing college football. Well, my first year was really exciting i mean i was a top coming out of high school a top five player in the country pretty much i mean a high school all-american so i was a, a highly ranked player at that time but playing at florida state was a natural fit i mean i had a, my older brother played there so i wanted to be like him while he played there i would go up there during the summers and, and got an opportunity to, to know get a chance to know a lot of people in the town met the coaches so i already had a lot of familiarity once I got there my freshman year, I mean, obviously the guys were a lot bigger, <laughs> a lot tougher, but I just had this mindset. I mean, once I be, I'm a focused person. When I become focused, there's really nothing that I can't do. So when, from the first time I got there, I was the first at everything because that was something my brother instilled in me. He said, you know what? Never stand in the back of the line. Every drill you get in the, you, you want to be first in all the running. Any drills you get in, you want to be first in line because you develop your reputation at a certain, you know, when you first get there. Because whatever reputation you develop when you first jump on a college campus is what's going to pretty much stick with you. If you know that's a lazy player, well, guess what? Four years, that's how people are going to view you. So you want to get there and be the best from day one. And that's what I did. And I just took all the teaching and, and that mental toughness that my brother instilled in me. And I just took it there and I just I just knocked heads off. So uh, had a, a great camp and, the first game, I, you know, another a veteran started over me for one series. 
And once he came out that first series, I went in the next series, and I and I never, I've started every game since then for for the, for the three years that I was there. Came I was the third team All American my freshman year, which easy could have been the first team, but you know they got to give it to the older guys. So I didn't mind on that. But my my first year was, I mean, it was exciting because I had never experienced anything like that on that grand scale. College sports is just another world. And, you know, sports has changed so much, but back then, you got to remember, we didn't have all of that stuff, the internet and all the, the the social media stuff to go with. So when you knew people, you knew them because everybody, you know, everybody wanted to see who you are. They had no other way to connect with you. So that's what was so exciting. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, during that period of time, of course, that was, that was probably one of the best eras, you know, 1992 playing football is, uh, some of the best teams against Miami Hurricanes. We was oh man, that was like a great time period. We had all three teams in the state of Florida, you know, in the top ten. I mean, the talent was just crazy. The amount of, you know, there must have been you know thirty guys that got drafted, you know, between the Hurricanes and, and, and Florida State at that time off that off that same team. Sure, and you became the first Florida State player to win two national awards in the same year, earning both the Butkus Award as the nation's top linebacker, as well as the Lombardi Award for the na- the nation's top lineman. So, talk to us about what was it about you, Marvin, that made you so elite? Well, I think it was my, I had a I had an ability. I mean, just a physical ability that was was beyond. With, with a lot of people my age had. I mean, a lot of people couldn't believe that I was just 18 years old, you know, the way I was playing as a freshman. And I played tenacious. I mean, I, I went out to pool point. I was a fast kid. I was a big kid. And when I and when I hit people, it hurt. You know what I mean? So, you know, during that time, that's kind of what football was, out of, was, was about. It was, it, it was promoted as such a, you know, uh, Iron Man, tough guy sport back then. So I, I um. I don't know. I just had that drive. I think, you know, it's just something my brother had. It's just that no quit drive and just be the best that you can be at that time. I was just a different, I was just a different guy. When you watch film of me playing, I, I am a different guy. You know me on the field when you see me because my speed, I didn't do anything half speed. I didn't practice half speed. There was many practices. Coach, Coach Bowen had to take me out of practice because I just go 100 miles an hour. I didn't have a half speed or three-quarter speed. I played practice just like it was a game. And I think that's what separated me. I, I wanted to make every play. The field was mine. And I want to talk about you transitioning into the National Football League. But before we go there, while you were at Florida State, you earned the nickname Shade Tree. Can you tell us about how that nickname came to be? Yeah, you can read about it now. <laughs> No, it, it would have to do with when we're talking about work ethic and mental toughness because that's something like, like I said, my brother instilled in me and just being the best that, that I can be. And it just really came about running. We had to run gases at the practice, which is running the, the width of the football field four times. And, you know, within a certain period of time, I think linebackers at that time, we had probably about 48 seconds. And I didn't know that it was over four times. I thought it was just over and back. And I struck out over and back. By the time everybody else got over on the first one, I was already on my way back. And I stood up and that coach was like, no, that's not it. You got to keep going. So I finished it and I was done. I went and laid up under the trees. My coach came over and said, hey, we don't need the shade trees out here. And I said, don't worry. You're going to be called at Marvinsville by the time I leave here. <laughs> so it became Marvinsville. <laughs> 
Let's talk about you transitioning to the NFL. As I mentioned, when I did the introduction, you were the the fourth overall pick for the New York Jets in the 1993 draft. Talk to us about what it was like getting picked so high in the draft and then your transition into the league. One of the unfortunate things is when you're one of the best players in college football, you don't go to the best team. <laughs> you know, you got to give and take some. So, but uh, during that period of time, I had never even had a clue what New York was. But at that time, you, you had New England was the first pick, then you had Seattle. The Jets was actually the third pick, and the Cardinals was the fourth pick, and the Jets and the Cardinals switched picks. And the Jets picked me with the fourth pick. In which I actually met with them at the combine. I said, I, you know, at that time, teams that were in the top, I said, you, y'all pick me. I would love to come and, and play in New York. You got to understand something that college is, you know, such so much fun and you enjoy it. But once you transition to the NFL, you have to be able to put on a, a business cap because now you being a, a highly paid player, you have to understand economics. It's not a situation where just because you're always the best player, you always play. You know, economics do play a role in guys that have an opportunity to, to play on the team, stay on the team, or not make a team, or guys that get traded or cut. I mean, economics was a huge thing, and it was a lot difficult my first year because that was the first year they instituted a salary cap, and you had free agency came into play at that time. So, you know, that was right up in the CBA. It was a difficult thing because now when you walk in the locker room, <laughs> everybody's an All-American. Everybody was the, respectively the, one of the best players on their team or one of the best players at some point in college football. So now the competition level is way up. So now you have to be a competitor because getting to the NFL is one thing. Staying there is another one. As we all know, I mean, the average career is probably about 2.2. So, you're always fighting for a job. You got to understand it. You're not going to get everything you deserve. <laughs> you know, you're a highly paid player and you have to understand it. Now you become a corporation. So a little bit of the fun does come out of it. But then you have to learn how to motivate yourself. You have to learn how to, you have to definitely be mental toughness because some of the coaches I played with, I mean, even though you were starting player, I mean, every week they brought in 10. 15 guys to try out to keep you on your toes. So we got to understand it's a highly competitive job being an NFL player. Guys have to understand you have to have the business sense to know that it's not going to last forever. So you're going to have to save some money. You're going to have to start working on that before you even get out of the game. I mean, I, I started interning for an agency, you know, about three years. Four, three or four years before I even got out of the NFL, just so I can get some experience in the in the workforce, and I think that really helped me out a lot. Well, I think that's great that you bring that up because, as you mentioned, the average career now is about two point two years. It's gone down. It was about three and a half. It's dropped over the last couple years, and I think more and more younger players are realizing that hey, this is going to last for a short period of time. For some, maybe a little bit longer, but I need to really start positioning myself for what's next beyond football. And so I think interning while you're still in the league is great. I recently uh, did an episode with Byron Chamberlain where we talked about some other things that you could do to position yourself to be successful while still playing. So let's expand upon that a little bit more. What other advice or things would you give to guys to set themselves up for success beyond football? Well, one of the things that as athletes, I mean, I wish I had a (laughs) gun. 
is you want to position yourself. Even uh, athletes, there's always something athletic we can do. Athletes generally gravitate when they lead towards something that do that has to do with coaching or whether it's some type of athletic sport, whether it's training or anything like that. I, you know, my advice would be if you if you plan on coaching, make sure you make connections with your coaches that you're playing for. You know, so when you do get out, you do have somebody that maybe knows you and knows what you want to do and, and that you're serious about it. And that's something that I really did do because when I played, I was like, man, you know, when I'm done with football, I don't, I don't have nothing to do with football. I mean, you have there's a player-coach relationship. Then there's guys that, you know, take it an extra mile where they really try to get into the coach's head and say, hey, you know what, I want to coach after I – let them done playing football. So they may spend that extra time up there with coaches, may call them in the off season, may stay up in the office and stuff like that with them. So if if that's one of your goals, you need to be doing that while you plan to develop those relationships because there's nothing better. Nobody knows your character better than the guy that you than a coach that you're with every day. Because obviously your character to say, hey, he's a great guy. You never know that that guy that they're doing all the grunt work or what they call quality control, which is like the, one of the lowest guys on the totem pole. He may be a head coach one day. And that's that's how you're going to be able to get in. I think one of the toughest things, like the other day, I talked to a former NFL head coach and um, several teams, one of the best college coaches ever, nobody I played for. He said, you know what, Marvin? He said, coaching is not about how good you can coach anymore. It's about who you know. Simple as that. And I said, yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> That's just like business. <laughs> it's, it's no different. Those people, you got to cultivate the relationship as, as, as you're moving along, whether it's through college. You know, I use college as a lot of networking because generally all those people you went to college with, that's your next people out in the workforce, next, next entrepreneurs, next senators, next people that are you know, in, in places. So you make those connections and, and, and stay with them. I was just one of, I was always one of them guys that went to a lot of things that nobody else wanted to go to. Like everybody said, oh man, that's just boring. That's just, oh, don't go to that. Oh, that's just, that's corny. That's the stuff I went to because that's why I met all, a lot of people to make connections with later in life. And that's something that a lot of my friends tell me, even one of the most prominent guys that's in the NFL Hall of Fame, everything. They say, man, you sure did. Man, you was always about that networking, man. I'm so glad, man, you told me about that stuff. You have to continue to network and build those relationships because those guys that those NFL teammates and coaches are those are the next guys that's gonna especially the young ones. Those are the next guys that's gonna be the ones that's gonna be running the show. And it'll be good if they can bring you along right along with them. Not to say, you know, but if you're qualified to obviously work and, and be a good coach, then, you know, there should be no reason why they wouldn't hire you. Absolutely. And you bring up a really great point about networking. It's important for everybody to network, whether your goal is to be a coach or to go do something else. I mean, you want to build that network early because to your point, you never know where people are going to move to, right? They could be the next entrepreneurs. Well, if you look at it this way, one of the things is people may know Marvin Jones football player, that I played football and I played for Jets, but they don't really know Marvin Jones. So cultivate those type of relationships in the network and somebody that knows you, knows your character, maybe have had a conversation with you. So that means more than somebody that just knows. Because most people don't know what you really like because they never met you. But the networking aspect of it is really what takes you to the next level. So I encourage any guys, go to all that business type of stuff, any type of business network event, and just meet people. People love to do business. 
Absolutely. And so what about for guys that are still trying to extend their career in the league? I mean, obviously you want to be positioning yourself for what's next beyond, but uh, oftentimes, as you know, guys end up leaving before they're ready to hang it up. So what kind of tips and advice would you give to people to try to extend their time playing in the league? Well, one of the things I've, I've always had the mindset that the next play could be my last play. So you have to continue to position yourself to prepare for that. But one thing is that you just have to do what is asked and do what's not just what's asked, but you have to do beyond that. Like I said, it's a competitive sport. At, you know, every year that you're in the NFL, you get older, which means that, you know, just on the other side, you're down, you know, your upside is becoming a downside. They're paying you as, you know, a guy that's in there three, four years. Not everybody's rich in the NFL. Let's make that clear. There's really only about three or four guys on the team that make all the money. I mean, that make the bulk of the money. We got to understand that the longer you play, you know, your, your upside becomes a downside, and then there's some young guy that's behind you. I think for myself, I had I had it great because the guy that was in front of me, you know, was a nine or ten years vet, and he passed the torch down to me. He helped me out so much, tremendously. So I think a lot of times when guys get in the NFL, they think that they know everything there is to know. But one of the best things you can do is find a, a guy that's been there and don't think that you're you can't learn anything, that you know it all. Get, get around some good guys that, that you can get some good advice from that can help you out with football. I was fortunate enough. The game has changed now because the average age has dropped down. But when I first went to the Jets, I had guys like Ronnie Lott. I had guys like Beaumont Fison, guys like Leonard Marshall, some guys that are, you know, staples, Art Monk, some guys that are Hall of Fame Super Bowl guys, but they had such great personalities. And they would always say, man, just save your money, man. All these guys in the parking lot buying all these fancy cars, save the money. And we and they talked about a lot of the business stuff. Every guy in the NFL can play, but what's going to separate you is being able to have your mind right and take care and solidify things off the field. And that's going to enhance your, your ability to play on the field. But surround yourself with some good players, not the guys that, always want to go out and party all the time. But ask some of them guys what kind of businesses they in. Me and my teammate was there. My 11 years, he was there at the desk for 13 years. I was there 11 years with him. All the, 90% of our conversation had to do with during during that time in the 90s, everybody knew the stock market was huge. Dot coms and tech and all that. Man, that's all we talked about. We're going away on trips. You know, every time we talk about buying stocks and getting stocks and this and that, how to do set up this type of corporation. Man, that was 90% of our conversation. And we still talk about that today. And him and I have been <laughs> out of the game since 2003. And we still talk about the same stuff. So before we talk about your transition and what you're doing now, what one last question about you playing in the league. What was your most memorable game and why? I would say the most memorable game would be probably one that everybody knows, and that's the Miracle in the Meadowlands. That was the... <laughs> the Monday night game against the Dolphins in 2000, where we were down and we came back and won it in the game. Everybody had left. It was actually the, was the longest, I think it was the longest game in NFL history at that time. The Monday night game, it didn't, the game didn't end until about 1.30 that morning. But it showed me, I mean, we're down, I mean, I think we're down by a few, I mean, a minimum three, four touchdowns. And we came back and won that game at the end of the, at the, end of the football game. But it showed me about, about having that mental toughness when a team as a team, I think that was probably one of the best games I had ever played in because that team 
had one heartbeat. Everybody played together. Nobody got frustrated. I mean, it was like ideal conditions of how you're behind and how we would have 10 reasons of why we should have never won that game. But everybody had one reason to win the game, and that's because we loved the game so much. We just we just had that. We wasn't going to quit mentality. Nobody quit. We just made plays and plays and plays. And before you know it, we were back in the game, and we had won that game. But as a team game, that was probably, out of all my 11 years, that was probably one of the best team games I had ever played in an experience. You know, that was an incredible game. And that's actually one of the reasons those kind of comebacks were because people will ask me, Jen, how'd you get into football? Why did you love football so much? And I'll tell them growing up as a kid, it was the fourth quarter comebacks that just I was just fascinated with seeing teams come back from what seemed like a near impossible deficit, but it wasn't it wasn't always over. I mean, sometimes teams didn't make it and didn't win, but uh, that game was incredible. I believe the Jets ended up scoring like 30 points yeah. in the fourth quarter, ended up tying the game, went into overtime, and obviously beat the Dolphins in OT. And uh, yeah, I mean, those are the games that really, and in my book, I talk about this playing the full 60 and how it's important to play until the game clock hits zero. And so that's exactly what the Jets did and some in overtime to end up winning the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just shows you the drive and how 53 guys could all have the same mindset that we ain't losing the game. We're going to win this game. No, you didn't see not one guy with his head down. There was not one guy on our side of that thought we could not win that game. And, and that's amazing in that situation because yep. it doesn't happen many times. <laughs> it just doesn't. Right. So let's talk about your transition out of the NFL. I mentioned when I read your bio, you had done some coaching for a number of different teams serving in head coaching capacities, currently head coach of the Omaha Beef. Talk to us about what was it about coaching that interested you? Well, it wasn't anything else I could really do. No, I just thought once I looked at the coaching landscape, I was like, wow. I mean, coaches today coach a little different. I, I'm more of old school. I learned up under the Bill Belichick and Parcells and the Pete Carroll, you know, guys that I played for. And I just felt like, guys, they just needed that kind of discipline, that type of push. I just felt like I had a gift that I could pass on to somebody. And, and me having all this knowledge and, and, and how I can teach the game, keeping it to myself wasn't, wasn't an option for anymore. It was something that I really felt like I can build guys up. Because I know how to, you know, that's the way you got to build guys up. And, you know, also the borderline, you have to make sure that, you know, guys are taken care of mentally because sometimes, I think some people can go overboard with that stuff. I learned a lot from like playing for Parcells. Parcells was a coach that man, he knew how to play some mental games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you would sure know how to not, but all the guys for him, they love to death. And that's how I am. I'm going to be tough on you. I'm going to make you do things that you don't want to do. I'm going I'm to overwork you. But, but at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you how much I love you and I appreciate what you're doing. So that was really the biggest reason that I, I got into it. I just felt like, you know, I had so much that I can give because I, I just felt I would always go to these different types of camps and stuff. And and, and, um, and I said, you know what, hey, well, let me just do something for myself. I kind of like this. So that's how it really just stuck with me. And, um, you know, high school route three years. That was kind of my first social experience, three years of high school with the kids are fine just dealing with the parents. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Moved on from the, then they lost the uh, league back then in, uh, in the 2014 and 15, the XFL. So I had a 
two years spent in that league, and then I went to the Jets and interned in 2016 on the Todd Bowles staff. Got some great experience with that and different, you know, it made me really understand how much the football game has changed since I was playing. Once I left out of there, I, be, I got into indoor football at first. I was a defensive coordinator at, at the Colorado Crush, which was a pro indoor football team. A lot of people knew that was familiar with, just with John Elway, who was affiliated with it early on when they had first launch. But I, I was an intern. I became an intern head coach there. Then next year, I ended up in Cedar Rapids. And 2018, I ended up after that season, I ended up signing to the Omaha Beef, and I've been there. Uh, ever since, and most people that don't know about beef, I always tell people, how old were you when you knew that Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Packers, was actually a quarterback for the Omaha Beef? <laughs> it's been around 22, it's the longest pro indoor, running pro indoor football team, that now it's been the 22 years. I ended up here, I like Omaha, it's a you know, pretty good city, but I, I have pretty good ownership, so I mean, I, I get along with them, and been able to, ever since I've been there, it's been a winning organization, 2019. You know, I ended up taking over at the end of the year, get some head coach, went to the conference conference finals. That game, won, if I don't won that game, we went to championship. And then obviously 2020, uh, we started, you know, that would have been my first full year as head coach. But, uh, you know, obviously a couple of weeks in the COVID situation. So we didn't play 2020, but coming back to 2021, this is my first full season as head coach. You know, overall record at nine or four. We're the second seed, but we beat the number one team at home in the championship game. And this was the first championship that was won by this team in the history, in the 22 year history. They've been to the championship twice and didn't win, but third time was charmed. So that's something that I'm definitely proud of and also being, you know, coach of the year of the league. So, I mean, all of that stuff is it's all great, you know, for me. But the most important thing is just seeing how my guys, Coaching those guys, seeing how we started, we were zero and two, and I don't think it was many people outside of my team that thought we were we were going to be any good, or we weren't going to be a good team. And I told them, I said, you know what, I'm going to turn this thing around. And so I can see, and we did. And so that's what I'm most proud of. Another thing that came out of that is that under my coaching, I had guys that say, you know, coach, I want to be a coach too, and I want to, man, you, you, I want a coach like you. So now I have two of my guys that played for me this year. One of them. I got in, in the two GAs. I got one at a college in Nebraska. Two, two of them actually at two separate colleges in Nebraska at GAs in the graduate assistant program. So that's the stuff that I'm most proud of. That's the story that out of all this, that's like those two guys being GAs. One is at Midland University. The other one's at Briarcliff University. That's what I'm proud of. And these guys, you know, they, they saw something in me and how I affected them. And I was able to and encourage them and also teach them, you know, how you do things so that they'll have a head start and understanding that, hey, man, coaching is is tough. But that's what I'm most proud of. I mean, the championship is great. Head co- you know, head coach of the year is great. But having two of my guys that that played for me, being able to be in that position, opportunity to change their life, that's what, it, that, that's what this is for me. Absolutely. Well, you should be proud of that. And I do want to say congratulations on winning the championship and coach of the year. Those are things to also be proud of. Those are things that you've done to move the ball, but moving the ball is not just about what you've done, but it's how you affect and inspire and influence other people to be great. 
in their own lives. And so I absolutely know that being able to influence these two individuals to go into coaching is something that you're very proud of and uh, keep on moving the ball over there. Well done. Thank you. So what I want to do now to wrap up our show is transition to my two-minute drill and ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Uh, sure. Yeah, you are. You're ready. Always ready. <laughs> First question, and I think I know the answer to this already, is what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? <laughs> Nothing else but playing in the NFL, but I want to be one of the best ever football players. There you go. Next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? Samuel Jackson. That's a great <laughs> choice. How about what is your favorite vacation spot? In all the world I've been to, I would say Bali, Indonesia. Sounds like a great place. I have not been. I've seen lots of pictures. One day, I hope to get there soon. Fiji is nice. I've been to Fiji, but I haven't been to Bali yet. Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> all right. Next question is, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Ooh, my favorite ice cream flavor. Oh, I haven't had a long time with butter pecan. That's a great one. I like that one. How about what is a pet peeve of yours? You really want to know my real pet peeves? Yes. <laughs> my real pet peeve is for people who don't put the, the toilet tissue back on the roll. <laughs> oh, I, interesting. That, that just happens me back. <laughs> okay. Next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Well, I'm moving the ball right now. Of course. But one of the books I'm reading now is called The Football Coaching Bible. And it, it tells a lot, of, it's a lot of different passages from a lot of different coaches on different aspects of the game. Some of your best coaches ever. So this is a very valuable book. Oh, I'll have to check that out. And my last question is, you're hosting a dinner party, and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Ooh, three people. Hmm. I would say it'd definitely be Martin Luther King. Obviously, he was a, he was a game changer change the world. Um, I would say Gandhi. I like him. You know, I like to meditate. I think that's a very important aspect. And hmm, the third would probably... We'll probably be one of my family members. <laughs> it, will, it will probably, honestly, maybe on a sad note, but it'll probably be like my mom in the past at 11 years old because I was so young at that time. Ask questions to some answers. Sure. Well, that's a wonderful person to have at the, the dinner party for sure. So, Marvin, as we look to end the show, tell people how can they keep apprised of you and your journey? Where are you at on social media? I am all over social media. I have too many. All right, you can find me on Twitter at Marvin at, at uh, Marvin Jones Jet fifty five on Twitter and on Instagram Marvin Jones Jet fifty five. So I am on both of those. I do answer tweets. I do follow back. I'm active on there. I think that's a very important aspect of letting people know who you really are. So if you follow me on either one. Marvin Jones Jet 55. I will follow you back. And if you message me, I probably will answer you back home. Perfect. And we'll be sure to have those links in our show notes so people can connect with you. Thank you, Marvin, so much for being on the show. It's been a true pleasure talking today. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to doing it again in the future. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you to everyone for listening to today's show. As I mentioned at the beginning, 
of the show. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And also, if you enjoyed the conversation today, please tell somebody else about it who might enjoy listening in as well. And we will catch you on the next episode. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.